back, everyone. Episode 5, TNC Throw Show. Well, glad you're back. Yeah. Continue to keep coming back because uh, we're going to keep producing episodes for you. Some big stuff. Big time episodes. Like this one today. But Um, first. Yeah. You know what else is big time? No. Tell me. I'm interested. Um, if they would follow our Instagram. Yes, they should. Yeah. You should do it. We'd appreciate it. It'd mean a lot. And you get to follow along with your favorite Throws podcast that's ever been. Yep. And if it's not your favorite, um, you have bad taste. Yeah. You probably like salty spaghetti. Yeah. Does that taste weird? I don't know. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's, uh... At T and C underscore throws underscore show. Yeah. Get at it. Let us know what you want to hear. We want we want to know what you want to hear. Also, we just want to interact with you, you know. We just want to hang out, you know, have a good time. You know, that's what we're about. We're some uh, personal people. Yeah, we are. People. We're persons. Yeah. So, uh, just like our guest we got on today. Yeah. Big people person. Big, big guy. Big person. He's big. In the best ways possible. Yeah. Chubby D. Coming at you right now. So we're here with a guy you may know by a lot of names. Nicky Tuchins could be one of them. Chubby Diamonds, Italian Stallion. I mean, master of cannolis, just what I'm thinking about. I mean, he's a 2021 Olympian, Italian national champion. Great guy, Nick Ponzio on the podcast with us. How you doing? Doing well, guys. Thanks so much again for having me on. And uh, it's truly, truly a pleasure. <laughs> pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks, guys. So do you got any other nicknames other than the couple I could pull out there? Oh, my God. I, like, I literally have a Rolodex full of nicknames. Um, the uh, On my Instagram now, I just recently changed it to Don of Ditalini now. And Ditalini's like little tiny pasta. It's like penne. And then the capital of cannolis. But I got, you know, Pellegrino Paisan. Um, I do some different names off of Chubby Diamonds, like the Obese Obsidian, the Tubby Tupas, uh, <laughs> and stuff like that. So it's, it's it's kind of a lot of different things, just really depending on my mood, for sure. <laughs> hey, I think you're probably the master of taking the throwing body into the the public space. And I'm a, I'm a fan of that. You know, I, I really wish more and more people, I've had a ton of people kind of message me about this, but I wish more and more people really um, were fans, more fans of my humor. Cause like, I only have like, I think I have like almost 8,000 followers or something now, but I was like, man, with some of the content that I put out personally, I know this is kind of a personal thing. Like I, I kind of wish it would hit the masses, but maybe, maybe someday it'll keep growing. Heck yeah, man. I know a lot of people, they kind of, <laughs> they kind of shy away. I know a lot of throwers out there like, dude, I got to have six pack abs. I got to, you know, if I don't look good shirtless, I mean, I'm never going to look good. You're like, cool, dude, you're throwing a ball. Like, all right. No, like, see, and that's yeah. the thing too, is I tell people all the time. I posted on, I posted this on my Instagram the other day. Um, Newton has this law of gravitivity, which basically the whole thing is basically the greater the mass, the greater the attraction. So I tell people all the time, dude, be a chubby guy, man. Nothing worse than a chubby, funny guy, or the, the only thing worse than a chubby, funny guy is a chubby, serious guy, because those guys don't get laid at all. So if you're going to be a chubby guy, at least be funny, you know what I mean? Like, at least be one of those guys that people want to enjoy. Like, that, that's the way I look at it. You know, I try to be one of those guys that I'm going to embrace the bod. Like, if I'm going to 
if I'm going to be a, a, a legit thrower, I can't really have six pack abs. The only guy I know that has six pack abs that's a really good thrower is Chuck and Equity. And I, I can't say that I'm not a little bit salty, but in the sense <laughs> of being a professional, being a professional shot putter, you just kind of have to be a big body, have to be a big strong guy. So what am I going to do? Shy away from it. And and honestly, I think people really like it anyway. I mean, if you're going to be comfortable in your own skin and and, and uh, confident in what you got, that's what people want to see more than anything else. You know. I mean, <laughs> I, the I think is shown in that mustache honestly yeah i'm telling you what man this has been this little uh, lip caterpillar up here this has been flavor saver all the above <laughs> right there. I'd say. <laughs> i think i think the throwing world needs more people like you honestly you just you just let it all hang out there yeah i i i literally have no reservation when it comes to just you know being who i am or, or getting people to laugh that's kind of one of the things i really enjoy doing anyway um, i really just enjoy kind of being I don't know, a little bit larger than life personality. I just think people really enjoy that. And at the end of the day, getting people to uh, enjoy who you are and stuff is always a cool feeling. So um, it's just kind of been who I always have been, I would say, at least since I was, you know, a little bit younger. When I was really young, I was a little bit of a shyer guy, kind of just on my on my own, just kind of a little bit more self-conscious. But now I got to a point where I just, I, I've, I've completely undone the pants and I've just let it all hang out. You know what I mean? Yep. I, don't, I don't know if that's a metaphor i can on here so i uh I'm, yeah. <laughs> we'll take that and run with it it's like it's like thanksgiving dinner like when you're done with thanksgiving you just kind of unbutt the pants and let the whole gut hang out you know that's kind of how I've, how I've been for a long time so i really feel like that in that case I, i've really enjoyed it for sure heck yeah man well yeah. the masses are enjoying it so that's that's a good that's a good sign i hope so let's get the world to enjoy it, you know what i mean i know it, 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 it's more than throwing at this point. It's more about, you know, <laughs> getting Honestly. people to enjoy who you are. Sweet, man. So how is this? Let's just switch it a little bit. Not that I, I, mean, I could talk about chubby guys all day. I'm a big fan. But uh, <laughs> so how did how did you get a start in throwing? Like, I mean, we're both from Southern California. Um, but yeah. I really only ever knew you uh, when you started just dominating the scene, really pushing that 70 feet and shot put. Uh, that was your senior year, right? So that's, yeah, that's kind of the yeah. first so, time so for me, I heard about you. So kind of how'd you get started? Yeah. A lot of a lot of people seem to have that's kind of when they started to kind of get anything was when I started kind of more elite shot putter when I was in high school. I got to a point where I was number one in the country, like you said, with with a, about 70 foot throw. Um, I believe it was 2123 in meters. Um, but that was my second year throwing so my first year throwing was my junior year um, I had a guy who I played football with and it was kind of one of those things where, like I played baseball and football my whole life um, those were the two sports um, I really kind of gravitated towards and because I played all sports when I was a kid I played everything even tennis for a while I played in my middle school team um, and so it's one of those things where I kind of I, I was always the type of guy like I wanted to kind of dip my toe in everything and but those two sports were the ones that I kind of always gravitated towards um and so in doing so I was a little bit of a bigger guy like I you know I was a catcher in baseball and and, and a, a lineman in football so it was kind of always like a little bit of a bigger stature not so much this way but this way so um I always tell people that's kind of what got me into throwing because I had a friend who I played defensive line with um who was just like yeah man I do it I'm in the offseason I really enjoy it um if you want to just come out and like you know continue to be able to kind of lift and and, and be a beefy guy it's it's some of that kind of mesh as well so I was like all right let me try it so my junior year kind of went out there and I started gliding my first uh my first 
season. So I, in California, I don't know if you remember this, but we have like an indoor season. It's like, it's like you have like an outdoor qualifier and then you do like an indoor States. Um, and yeah, probably the biggest air quotes you could get right there. Indoor season. <laughs> yeah, say, every, California. every indoor meets outdoors. Yeah. <laughs> so I basically threw like 53 feet as a glider and like broke our school record, which was big. And then I was like, you know, this is kind of fun. And so I kind of got to a point where I, like, I was still so committed to football and everything. I wanted to go to college and, and do everything I could with, with, with football. But as I got into the outdoor season, I wrote, started rotating and I just kind of picked up really quick. I threw 60 feet my first year. And then the next year I was like, wow, this is really cool. I got um, recruitment from people. And then I threw like 62 feet or so and then 64 feet. And I was like, well, I'm getting kind of good at this. And then I threw, I threw poorly at a couple invitationals and I was like, you know, maybe I should go back to football. And then I like the next, the week right after the, those, those two bad meets, I almost threw 70. Then it was like the floodgates just kind of opened up. And I was like, you know, kind of like, yeah, I got to I could pretty much go any, anywhere I wanted to for, for track, which was like a really awesome feeling. So I was like, well, I can go to these like really, really big schools. Cause I had some bigger offers for football, but they weren't as big as like, you know, track, like you, I was getting, you know, offers from schools that were national championship schools and things. So it got to a point where I was like, man, I really needed to, to <laughs> I, I need to take this, this endeavor that I didn't even think I was going to be doing more than just lifting and, and, and messing around with into my life. And it's kind of, you know, <laughs> sporadically just kind of culminated into a professional career, which has been really, really cool. Cause I've got to see the world and everything on top of that. And now, fortunately been a national champion and now an Olympian, which is really, really cool. Sweet, sweet. So yeah. like, How'd you kind of end up at USC? Like what, what schools, I guess, did you end up trying to decide to? And, and you know, what was that experience like? Cause I know you mean you went to a slew of national championships for NCAA. I mean. Yeah. I, I, the only one I missed was my junior year indoor. That was the only national championship I, I, or national championship meet. I should say I, I missed. I mean, put that as a stat. That's a good, it's a good track record. That's a, yeah. That's pretty, <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, pretty yeah. solid right there. Yeah. I mean, a lot of guys are just trying to, you know, get to the meet and I mean, only missing one. I mean, you're probably pretty pissed, especially if it was your junior year missing. <laughs> but that, you know, that'll so always be a dark stain. I'll, I'll never let that one go. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So yeah, kind of. How, how'd you end up at USC? What was that? You know, real quick. How was that? How was that recruitment like? Yeah. So I, I always tell a lot of the kids at a high school. One of the one of the the reasons as to why I had. Um, really good recruitment was also because I was really good in the classroom as well. Um, so I always tell kids like, you know, being a student athlete, the, the word student athlete, the reason why student comes before that is because ultimately it's, it's schools are kind of like a business. So they kind of have to like, if they're going to give you a scholarship to, to, for you to come in that you have to like basically, you know, return on that and investment. So I took it all the time. If you're going to be going, trying to go to school, but you have, you know, not good grades, but you're a good athlete, it really doesn't matter. Like I've seen a lot of kids who are really good athletes who had to go to lower, lower end schools. But when I actually left high school, I went to university of Florida first. I actually went to the sec. Oh yeah. Um, I, I remember that. Wow. Look at me. Crappy reporter. <laughs> no, no worries. Actually, a lot of people don't. So a lot of people, every time I say that, they just think I just went straight to USC. But um, I actually went to the University of Florida first, mainly because of like what I talked about in the sense that that school was just coming off of being an indoor and an outdoor national championship team. And I was like, wow, that's like getting a full ride to Alabama. So for football. So it was like one of those things where I was like, I got I to gotta take that opportunity. And I wanted to go to a big school too. Like the SEC was really, really cool. And, and the University of Florida is like one of the biggest campuses in the country, I believe um so I kind of I was like let me just take my talents over there and see see what happened and 
Um, unfortunately, there was like a lot of things that kind of happened where it just felt like I was like, wow, this is just not the fit for me. Um, by the end of that year, I had redshirted my indoor year and I was going into outdoor and I didn't want to redshirt my outdoor year. So I, I, I just was like, I should be competing. And the coaching staff was like very, very adamant about like having, you know, young kids redshirt and stuff like that. And it just felt like I wasn't ready. And so I was like, you know what, like, I'm not going to try to fight this and, and, and wait till my senior year to finally have some, some prominence when I know I could do it right now. And then I, I transferred to USC. Um, but in the recruitment process going into college, I had like, you know, a lot of really big schools. Um, but one of the biggest thing for me was to, to, to try to get a school that was also good academically as well until, <laughs> until I went to Florida ultimately, because Florida is a good school, but not like, you know, the, the greatest academically, but I had like, you know, I went to Cal Berkeley and Stanford and, and Notre Dame, like some big schools on, on, uh, recruiting trips um and then when i was leaving florida um for me it got to a point where i still wanted to go to a good academic school but i wanted to get to a point where i was going to be in the best situation for for me athletically like getting to a point where i could flourish and i was like man you know maybe i just need to go back to my roots and like get back to california where i'm from and just see what, what was going on there and so i had talked to like one of the schools that was really hot on me out of, out of high school was uh, University of Oregon. So I talked to them. Um, Oklahoma was another school because they have a good, uh, uh, their school itself academically is really good. Um, I think University of Tennessee was another one. Um, Texas. Texas was a big, actually a big one for me too, because I forgot. I actually verbally committed to Texas because Ryan Krauser was my um, <laughs> host and he made it really hard to say no. But um uh, yeah, and then and then I was trying to go to USC. So what what I was what I was gonna do is I was actually gonna go to Oklahoma because Brian Blutcherd was there at the time, and he was just like, yeah, man, like we just want you here, full ride, like just just come right now. And I was like, all right. So I was gonna go on a visit before I even left Florida, and so I was like, well, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm getting to a point where I'm being recruited before I even leave the school, but I still in the back of my mind really wanted to go to USC because USC as a kid was one of those schools that was like I got, I'll, I'll never forget the 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 reg or the um. The USC Texas game where Reggie Bush and Vince Young and them played, that was on my birthday in like 2004 or whatever, whatever year that was, 2005. So I was like, ever since that game, I was like, man, like I really like that school. But I was never like a huge Trojan fan, but I was like, that would be a cool school to go to because I knew of its prominence at, uh, academically as well as athletically. So I always kind of had them in the back of my mind. Um, and I just like, I, I just kept trying to reach out to um, Dan Lang, who's the coach there. And I just couldn't get a hold of them. Like I, like, I I, felt like at that time, I literally could have contacted anybody and like they would have responded to me either right away or, or within the week. And I, I was messaging Dan Lang for like a month. I had to resort to like talking to other throwers on the team. And I was like, hey, listen, I know you can't tell me much, but can you just like at least tell him to contact me? Like, because there was like people I knew on that track team. Like I knew Alex Kolot, who was a discus thrower there. Um, and I knew um i can't remember who else it was but i knew a few people on the team i was like can you just tell him to like contact me and then i think she was the one alex was the one ultimately that got got him into contact with me and he called me right away and he was just kind of like hey when do you come back to california and i was like oh i literally come back like i think because because that school florida ended because they were like on a I think they were on courses. So they ended early. I was like April or something. And I like the day I got back the next morning, I had my official visit and then I just signed like literally the next day. So it's one of those things where I kind of just was like, once that was set in motion, I was like, that's where I want to go because of those things, because of the academic and athletic side. It was just kind of like, there was, it, it, it was one of those things I couldn't pass up and, and had a lot of success my first year. And then 
unfortunately kind of stayed stagnant um, throughout because my, my PR outdoors is the same, was the same my freshman year to my senior year. So it was kind of one of those things where I stayed very stagnant. Um, you know, I have a lot of respect of, and, and love for what Dan Lang did for me, but we kind of got into a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, arguments and, and there was a lot of tips between us, but ultimately I left that school with a great degree and three-time All-American. And like, I, I had some, some bright spots. And then, you know, now as a professional, I've, I've kind of taken it where I know I could take it. And then, you know, beyond once, you know, the next few years come on, but um, yeah, it's kind of been a, a long, a longer journey. And it's been a journey that a lot of people would have stopped um, at a certain point. Like that's a big thing too. I always tell people, because a lot of people thought when I was done in college, I was just done because um, I just hadn't thrown really far. My PR leaving college was 1970 or something like that. And then, you know, ultimately now I've thrown 2170. But at that point, a lot of kids would have just been like, you know what, man, like I have a USD degree. Let me go make $150,000 right away <laughs> in, in, in a job. And I was like, no, man, like I know I can do this. And there was a lot of things like I wanted to be an Olympian. One thing a lot of people don't know as well, I wanted to be an Olympian because my mom was an Olympian. She was an Olympian in soccer in 84. And so I just wanted to like do that too, like be a part of the family that way. And it's just like, it's something that meant a lot to me to keep going. Cause you know, it's, it's not so much a pride thing as much as it's kind of like, a, I know I can do it. Like I'm doing, I want to do it for myself for a long time. I felt like I had to do it to prove people wrong. And then I, like when I left college, I was like, no, I want to do it for me. And I want to get this, you know, satisfaction in doing things that I know I can do and, and having that fulfillment. So like I said, it was a long, long journey from recruitment to now, but um, that's basically how that whole, that whole collegiate journey to now has gone. Yeah. It's funny that so you say that, that uh, um, you know, a lot of people maybe would have, wouldn't have taken that step to a professional career, uh, maybe in the situation that you were at. Yeah. Um, because I, I mean, that's, that's something I hear all the time from many different athletes and, you know, different events and stuff like that. Like, Oh, if I don't hit this standard by this time, I mean, I've personally said it about myself, like, Oh, like I feel like I have to be at a certain level to go on. Um, yeah. Pretty interesting. You hear that. And then you made the opposite decision, I guess, of what a lot of people would say. I mean, you proved, I mean, if anyone was doubting against you, you proved them wrong in a lot of ways. So congrats on that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is I always tell kids, you know, we're so, a lot of us, when we leave college, we're so young, you know, we're 22, 23 years old. And so it's one of those things where it's like, if, if you feel like you can do it, like continue. I mean, who's to say that your life can't start at 25 or 26 or whenever you choose to be like, you know, what, I, I've taken as far as I can. Like at a certain point, you can, you, you have the rest of your life to be in a cubicle. Or you have the rest of your life to be in a, in a job that's a nine to five. Why not give it everything right now? Like I said, like for me, I had tons of people. I had like, coaches and things tell me like yeah man like I probably would tell you to stop and stuff like that and I was like you know what I'm just gonna keep doing it for me then and I always had that you know in anything I do in my life whether it be you know track or school or whatever I have like a burning desire for a lot of stuff just kind of be the best that I can be at it and I think that's one reason why I've gotten to the point that I've gotten to but I, I took it all the time if you have like any you know inclination of just being like I just want like a little bit more and I know I can do more and I just haven't gotten to where I want to go then keep doing it man like there's there's dude I'm I'm a like I tell people all the time I'm six feet tall because I've been medically measured six feet tall in two different countries but I tell people all the time like I'm I'm a hair under you know six feet tall and 
like I was never like the super super big kid all the time. Like it's like I, I didn't have all these tangibles to be like a Ryan Krauser esque and all these other guys, but like I fucking gave it everything and um, worked so hard in the weight room and, and was diligent in other places, sleep and all these other things. If you want it really bad, it really doesn't matter what you have at that very moment. You can grow into being who you want to be. And I know guys like Chuck, Tom, just stature would say the exact same thing. Like it's kind of like, I tell all the time, it's like a, like a why not scenario. And it's kind of also like a fuck you scenario where it's like, like, who are you to tell me what I can and cannot do? And why can't I be that type of guy? You know what I mean? That's, that's the way I look at it. So, so you mentioned the weight room and obviously it's yeah. not, it's not, uh, a secret that you're pretty strong. So uh, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's so, one of the uh, things that most people know about me for sure. Yeah. So uh, I saw. I think it was uh, was it thrower throwing universe or throwers world. They did it. They had a little thing with you. I can't remember exactly yeah, what did. it was, but throws, what were those weight room throws numbers? Is what it was. Okay. Yeah. What What were those weight room numbers looking like? Oh God. Well, I mean. So like, what what do you guys want to know? Do you want to know like all of them, or do you just want to know like my powerlifting sort of number, my power base numbers, or my my Olympic lifting numbers? What do you guys want to know? All of them? I mean, why not? <laughs> okay, so, so quick okay. rundown. So my best bench is two hundred and seventy kilos. <laughs> What'd you say? Just do a quick rundown, just just real quick. Just tell everyone how yeah. much of a tank you are. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, so my, my best bench is 270 kilos, which is like 597. Um, my best squat is like 351 kilos, which I believe is like 772 or something. Um, my best deadlift from the ground, which was a sumo, is 804, which I think is three. I think it's like 364 or something like that kilos. Um, I've done a thousand and two pound trap bar deadlift which I didn't realize was actually like, I, like there's not a lot of guys that have done a thousand pounds on that, which is pretty cool. Um, I've jerked 230, 235 or 237, which is, I think is like four or 510, 510 pounds. Um, I've snatched from the hip 155, which is 342. And then I have cleaned from the ground about as ugly as it can look like like Kurt Jensen ogre style 202 and a half which is 445 and then I think that's everything um I'm trying to think if there's anything else he asked me lifting wise I think that's all of it like deadlift squat bench snatch jerk clean yeah that's that's everything yeah Jesus that's <laughs> all I have to say that. that's all I have to say for that <laughs> thanks guys yeah that's like I said it's 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 been a long time. Like, it's not one of those things. I think there's a lot of things that are, you know, have genetic, you know, variability with a lot of that stuff. So for me, like I have shorter arms, which is why I can bench a lot, but um, I'm not like, you know, like for, for a guy for as much as I benched, I probably should squat like well over 800 pounds, but um, I just, I don't, there's a lot of things that like just go into it. And I think there's a lot of reasons as to why I'm so strong. But the main thing that I tell a lot of kids is that like, I have put in more time, into the weight room and into the kitchen and into the bedroom. And I don't mean sex, I mean sleep. Then <laughs> and anybody could probably fathom, like really, like it's, it's one of those things where it's like, if there's anybody out there that's like, 
you know, they think they've, they've worked really hard or they've spent a lot of time. Like you just don't get it. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've had to do a lot to get to where I'm at. Um, I'm proud of it. I, I really am. And I, I would totally do the same thing if I had to do it all over again, but um, that's the main reason it's, it's more of the dedication to wanting to be a strong guy. Cause that, you know, my dad was a strong guy when I was young and there's one thing that I always wanted, I always wanted to do, you know, I watched like world's strongest man and I'd watch like the Olympia, like even bodybuilding stuff when I was younger. And it was like, I always wanted to be larger than life. And so I just always had this gravitation towards the weight room and wanting to see myself um, grow and everything like that. So it's, it's, like I said, it's been something that I've really wanted and, and really am proud of and, and something that I will always probably do too, even when I'm done. I could be, one of my goals is to, I want to be able to be the oldest man to bench 500 pounds. So I think that'd be really cool at some point. Like if I was 60 years old, I bet 500 pounds. Talk about a fucking savage that would be. <laughs> that would be, that would be insane. Yeah, yeah. So what do you, what do you uh, got to say to some of the naysayers that, cause you're talking about how you did an ogre style clean. Cause you yeah. know, there's a lot of people out there in the world that think it has to look pretty for it to be impressive. Honestly, I think it's honestly a little more impressive when people do it nasty. Cause you're like, that's just pure power is what it is yeah i do i i agree wholeheartedly if i see a guy hang clean 405 and catch it like right underneath his chin and doesn't even rack it on his on his shoulders and, and, and uh, collarbones i'm like that's even more impressive you just pulled that shit like a meter and a half high and you're doing this these olympic lifters trust me don't get me wrong i think the olympic some of the olympic lifters are some of the strongest humans on earth like uh lasha and those guys like oh my i've seen that guy snatch like 235 in training which is like that's i can't even fathom putting 235 as a snatch on my head but um i barely even want to put it on in a squat sometimes so that's <laughs> you know what i mean exactly yeah but like yeah i mean i i think guys who do it gross like that like i've seen guys like like kurt and shit i've seen kurt do like 210 or 215 for five from a hang clean like what the fuck and it's it like that stuff to me is just shows like raw power because i always tell people it's really really cool to be able to do really efficient olympic lifting and it's you know like the guys at garage strength really harp on that like getting ass to grass and, and having everything be full depth but at a certain point, like we're throwers. Like it's the reason why I bench the way I do. It's like very ballistic. Like it's because like I'm trying to move big weight really fast and I want to be able to like rip big weight off the ground. And so it's, it's one of those things where for me, I'm trying to make it applicable to what I'm doing. So I don't necessarily feel like doing all of that is super, super applicable. Um, I, I do know guys that, that get it or that do it and, and do very well. Sam Mattis at Garage Strength is, has done a lot of stuff full depth and he's done, he's done like 67 meters in the disc. It, it really works. But I've also seen guys like, if anybody knows like Frederick Dockers, the guy from uh, Jamaica, he has probably some of the ugliest Olympic lifting form I've ever seen in my life. And the guy's done 71 meters in the disc. Like it, it, it really is all dependent on who you are. But if I had to, if I had to put my money on what's going to work, it's going to be us <laughs> lifting really heavy weight, really ugly. Because at the end of the day, like I'm able to kind of like use a full body movement and you and just rip it up and be able to be like, Oh my gosh, I've, I've taken that from the ground all the way up to, you know, five feet. And so that's it, that, that to me shows more um, strength than it does to be able to kind of like, snap it off your hips and the snake underneath it you know what i mean that's more of a technical proficiency mishap on our, our hips than anything else you know yeah i i always see it as like you know we're throwers that lift not lifters that throw you know what i mean like exactly. we, i mean like 
I, there's definitely helpfulness to doing things and, you know, maybe a little, you know, uh, technically sound manner. I mean, could help, yeah. you know, not being injured or maybe having some stability that you maybe wouldn't have, you know, X, Y, and Z. But I mean, in the end, you know, mass moves, mass power is what we're looking for. Explosivity, you know, there's different things you can say. That's, I, I just, I love, I always have this conversation. A lot of people get a lot of people riled up, but it's pretty fun. Well, I mean, I agree. I, I like, I think, I personally think, and I don't think a lot of people agree with this, but I personally think people in our community know this. I think throwers are the strongest athletes on the earth. I like, I, I literally think that people understand that, like you just said, what, what you just mentioned is a big point. Like we are throwers that lift. We, we, we don't lift to throw. It's, it's not like that. It, it's one of those things where it's like, we just supplement it, you know, to be able to throw a ball far. But if any of us like top end strength guys in, in um, throwing, like, like I said, Kurt or Joe or some of these other guys, if we just dedicated ourselves to lifting, like we would fucking take over like they don't under people don't understand that it's out of control like we only lift some of us only lift like you know three four times a week and that's our strength numbers and it's just kind of like we're, we're just i don't know we've just gotten to a point where it's like that's that's where we're at and i just i wish more people would have more attention to that because like i don't think i don't think people understand like some of these numbers are not because we've given it to, like some power lifters and some olympic lifters do like two a days of what they do because it's a technical mastery of their sport and for us kind of like yeah i'm just gonna go in there and put 500 on anything and either lift it over my head or <laughs> go down with it and come up with it you know what i mean dude 100 percent. it's, it's kind of yeah. crazy you know just i mean the pure power is just insane especially you know like the yeah. Yeah. shop it's, yeah, it's kind of funny because it seems kind of like you and uh i mean joe as well i mean and you know chuck and you know all these like you know staturally shorter guys are just proving that like, you know, if you, if you can be an elite shot putter at that level, but I mean, you got to be an absolute house. Like you got to yeah, have big numbers. I, I you got to be strong. Like you got to be explosive. Like it can't be sure. like, Oh, I'm six foot. I can do it. Like, no, be a house. Like, yeah. Don't yeah. Care. like you can do it. Yeah. But like, yeah. just remember what your body type you're working with. It's not. Yeah. Long pushes. Yeah, you have to maximize everything. So for me, it's like, I may not have like the same levers and things that Ryan Krauser has, but what I am ha what I do have, I'm trying to maximize it to the top. Like I'm trying to get everything like full throttle, which, you know, puts me in a tough situation sometimes because I get some injuries and stuff here and there because I'm doing that all the time, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, like anything that I want really badly, I'd, I'd rather risk my body to do. Um, and so for me, like my speed, my size, my strength, I'm trying to get all those levels to the peak. You know what I mean? Like as, as, as about as big as they can get without getting hurt, doing things outside of, of, you know, throwing. Yeah. 100% man. Yeah. So shifting gears just a little bit, um, yeah. so that transition out of college into, you know, professional world, I know you kind of bounced around for a little while trying to find your footing. And how yeah. was that like? And kind of how did you end up with Ryan? Because I know you talk so highly of him. I mean, he's, he's really proven that he's a great coach. I mean, just absolutely, yeah. He's shown a lot. Um, so, like, kind of how did you end up there? Like, what's the process like? I don't know. Cool things, sucky things about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, for me, it's a lot of guys tend to bounce around. You don't, you don't get too many guys that kind of have one coach their entire career. It's really cool to be able to have that, but a lot of guys do end up bouncing around. So. For me, um, when I was in high school, I worked with Eric Johnson at Heritage Throws Nation. 
And when I was with him in high school, it was very much like a bare bones, like let's just get down to the nitty gritty. Like we worked out at Capo Beach in California, but it was in this like parking garage. Like we threw into, into a wall in a parking garage off of plywood. And then we lifted underneath this like poorly ventilated, basically basement and just did all of our work down there. It was like, that was what we did. And it was like, there was like four of us. It was like at the time, or maybe it was five of us. It was like Matt Katnick and Datun Ogandeji. Uh, Matt Katnick just came off of his collegiate career. Um, and then Datun, I believe is still growing. I'm not really sure. But then there was a guy named Rocky Fenn and um, Kelsey Benoit. Um, those, it was like us five. And we were kind of all guys who ended up going division one on full ride scholarships and stuff. But it was very much like, we don't give a shit about the flashy, like, you know, this and that, or like social media. Like we didn't really give a shit. We were just like, let's just fucking work hard. And we got down to brass tacks. And so we all ended up, like I said, being successful. All of us were, um, I think Kelsey was the only one that wasn't a state champion. He was second, but um, all of us were state champions and shit, which was really cool. And it really kind of put like Eric Tay on the map, which was awesome because Eric was like really appreciative and stuff. And then once I, I went to college and like I said, stuff with Dan didn't go particularly well. And I just felt like I was missing out so much. I was like, you know what? I went back to my roots for college. Let me go back to my even earlier roots for throwing post-collegially. So I ended up working with Eric as I left USC. So I moved to Arizona, which to me wasn't like a huge move, mainly because like Arizona seemed like a place that would be cool to, to live for a while. And um, it was like five hours down the road. Like it wasn't that big of a, of a move. So I went there and I worked with him for about four or five months and it just wasn't what it was previously. And I have no animosity at all. Like what he does is, is good for him. And, and we still talk on occasion and, and what he's doing with his athletes is, is what he believes is the best. But for me, it just didn't work. And I was like, this just isn't, this just isn't good for me as a professional. So I was in a point where I was like, man, now I'm in Arizona. And I was only, I had only been there like five months. I was like, man, I'm looking to find another coach already. And this was kind of one of those, points it was kind of a crossroads in my career I've come across a few crossroads um and it was at crossroads in my career where I was like man you know it's he, he it's coming on like March or something like that and I'm just not getting any better and I'm at a point where if I start to open my season because I didn't even have an indoor season because I just wasn't ready for it and I was like if I if I can't even throw outdoors this year what am I doing so I kind of just started you know, fishing around to see what would work. And one of the, the, the coaches I wanted to go to was Zion out at Texas because I had saw what he had been doing with some of his athletes. And I was like, that's something like a cool area. Um, but that kind of fell through. And there was a few others that were kind of the same thing, like just kind of fell through. And I knew Chase Ely well, um, who was another athlete that works with Ryan. And I knew her well from college and, and beforehand. And I was like, you know what? She's kicking butt over there with Ryan. And that's in town. Like it was literally like where I lived. I was like, let me just ask. So I just was kind of like, hey, like I'm I'm on the outs with Eric and I just need somewhere to go. Like, do you think Ryan, because I knew, I mean, everybody who's a shot putter or a thrower probably knows Ryan Whiting. I was like, do you think Ryan would just like take on a guy? Because like, it was just literally her. And there was another girl we had named Brittany Smith, who was another professional 19 plus meter thrower, Diamond League circuit. She was really, really good. I was like, do you think he would take on a guy? Because it just seemed to get girls. And it was like, right away, I was like, yeah just let's set up a call and stuff so I set up a call with Ryan he was very very black and white with it he was very much like hey listen this is what I'm looking for if you can do this let's let's get going so I went out there first day 
<laughs> first day with Ryan Whiting was like literally like I think I threw the 16 pound shot like 1810. Like it was it was like I was embarrassed. Like I remember throwing him being like, damn it. And he was just like, no, I think you, you move really well. He's like, do you think you can can throw farther? And I was like, yeah. I mean, because I told him in, in college I had thrown 2056 um in, in in a mini comp that we had before indoor season with the comp ball um uh, my my sophomore year. So like going into the set my second year and I was like, I just like, I, I just haven't been able to get back to that. It was kind of like trying to figure out where, where to go. And so once I said that, like once I told him, like, I'm really committed to throwing farther because I know I can, he was just as committed to me to being like, okay, well then I'm going to, I'm going to get you to throw farther. So we put in like a master plan to kind of get like away from what I'm really good at and take all the weaknesses that I had and make those my strengths as well, which I, I encourage any coach or anything to, to really harp on with any athlete that you have. If you have an athlete that's really good at one thing or is really, really strong in one thing, get him away from that for a little while and get him to do the things that he really sucks at and make those his strengths. And that way they kind of move together and you're going to find some, some major, not only distance increase, but like, you know, everything all around is to be better so we did that and everything and once that I, like I would say I was with Ryan for like two or three months before I finally broke 20 and then at the end of that season being with Ryan for like five months or so I threw 2073 and broke the world standard um unfortunately I didn't have my Italian citizenship yet so I didn't go but um once I did that I was like holy shit this is the situation for me because it was kind of still one of those things where I was like I'm gonna give it the year and see if if this is the situation I'm going to be in because I can't just put all my eggs in this basket if like if I'd have gone with Ryan and I still threw 1980 or something I felt like this isn't for fucking me so I got to far I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna give it everything and so once I made the transition to Ryan so bouncing from USC to Eric to to then him um and that at the end of that season that ended up working out that well I was like this is this is where I need to be and then another meter onto that the next year and um in this past year Olympics and everything and it's like I said it's been I have nothing but praise for Ryan anytime anybody asks me because he's not only just a coach, he's a, he's a good friend of mine and, and he's a mentor and he's, there's a lot of things that, that he is that um, I hope people get to experience if they ever have, you know, coaching needs or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, he's, he's a great guy and, and he is probably the sole reason as to why I've, I've gotten to where I've gotten because I haven't changed at all. Like I've been just as much of a savage in the weight room, just as much of, of, a uh, house in any other sort of realm of throwing it's just a matter of him kind of being the uh puppeteer as i should say you know kind of one of those guys that kind of was pulling the strings the right way so nick you mentioned uh the olympics right obviously yeah. huge deal it was your first one for sure for italy mm-hmm. um do you want to like i guess kind of talk about you know competing for Italy and uh I know you like I've seen on your Instagram that's something that you've you've wanted to do and um just how the Olympics went went and just like a little rundown yeah no I I so the Olympics went very poorly for me because I got I tell people I got injured and that's the truth um but I have no problems with speaking on it because as a professional, it's kind of like that you do is to Emory. So you have to be able to kind of move on from it. Um, but yeah, so my whole family's Italian. So both sides of my family are, are Italian. My, my dad's side's from Sicily. My mom's side's from Naples. And um, 
competing for Italy was one of those things that I always kind of thought about doing. Like in college, I thought about doing it. And I wish I would have done it earlier because I could have competed for them in like, you know, world junior championships and other things. But I always just kind of was like, you know, I'm, I'm an American and everything. I'm going to give it that. And then once I left college, I had more and more people kind of being like, hey, you should try that because I think that'd be really good. Um, you'd be able to make like every meet and all those other things. And it would, it would be one of those things that would be really advantageous for your career. So I looked into it more and more and uh, was one of those things that I kind of just like always kind of put on the back burner. And I, like, like I'd mentioned earlier, I wish I would have done it earlier, but um, at the end of the 2020 season, I went to Rome and won my first diamond league, which was really awesome. The, the golden gal out there. And once I won that, I took some interviews from some Italian um, publications and told them like, Hey, like I'm, wanted to compete for Italy in the 2021 Olympics and everybody's face was kind of like, Oh shit. We didn't know that literally the week after I get back, my agent, Andy Stubbs, God rest his soul, um, got an email from the Italian Federation. Um, so Coney is like their, their high performance federation, Fidal, F-I-D-A-L, um, basically saying like, Hey, we've heard that Nick is, you know, qualifies for the olympics and, and wants to compete for us let's get this going right now so we're like all right shit so unfortunately that was like during a covid pandemic so it was one of those things where it took a long time to get done because paperwork and everything was <laughs> almost impossible it's so funny we had to get a certain document that my mom just got like literally a week ago um so it literally took like almost a year to get done so that was in the end of october and i didn't even get it done till like july or something like that like right before the italian national championships um because it just took so long um it ended up getting to a point where it almost got legal like it almost got too far i was like we gotta like we're gonna have to sue the united states government for, for withholding documents because it was just one of those things where it was it was becoming insane like we were having federal delegates going in to, to get stuff and they would not give it to them we were like what's going on here so Everything worked itself out that way. It was a long, stressful process because, you know, I went through the season not knowing if I was going to be an Olympian because I had basically been like, you know, I'm going to be for Italy. It's just a matter of it getting done. Like, even the Italians were like, yeah, come over for meets and stuff. And then I was like, well, it's not done yet because the, the U.S. side, because the, the Italian side was quick because they wanted me to do it. All my documentation from Italy was just like, they were like, here, have it. It was just all the U.S. stuff. So one of those things, like I said, after the, after the year, I didn't have the year I wanted to, I believe, mainly because of that. Like I said, there was a lot of factors. My agent, Andy Stubbs, unfortunately passed and such. But I got to a point where I was like, I'm going to go to Italy now that I have this national championship and I'm not leaving without a national championship. Because I knew my new agent, James Templeton, was basically like, hey, man, like, if you want to make a spot on that Olympic team, you got to win. I was like, all right, that's what I plan on doing anyway. And I had... My club coach there was like, you know, just try to do your best. It's your first time, you know, competing for Italy. And I was like, no, nah, I'm leaving with, with gold. And fortunately, I did. Fortunately, I, I went and I won. Um, it wasn't the best meet for me, but I got I did what I had to do to get it done, which I was really happy with. And then um, did a few meets from there to the Olympics, which went well. And then I got to the Olympics, and um, everybody that was on the Italian team, because most of them, most of them were there, um, went to Tokyo early. So we had a uh, training camp in Tokazawa, um, which is about two hours from the Japanese village um, in Tokyo. And um, so most of them were there before we were. And I had to go to Rome first to get a bunch of stuff done. Like I had a medical process that I had to do that was like seven hours one day. It was this whole thing. 
but everybody that had to do that were, from, were people from other countries. So there was a guy from the UK, another woman from the US. There was some, some people that had to do all that. So when I was there, I was there for about a week and I had to train because I was like, I, like the first few days I didn't train so like, I had to get all this stuff done. But I would say about day three or four, I was like, I, I have to train. It's the Olympics coming up. I'm not going to go to the Olympics feeling like I haven't trained. Hindsight 2020, I had plenty in my repertoire to, to not probably train for at least five days and still be totally okay. But I go into the Coney High Performance track there at Rome, which was very, very poor. Um, it was very, very run down, wasn't meant for like super, super high level athletics, unfortunately, especially for throwers. And the weight room was very, um, it was one, honestly one of the worst weight rooms I had been in. And Europe has a ton of bad weight rooms, but this one in particular was really poor. And the bars there were basically like, if you've, if you've ever seen like an Olympic lifting bar, it's like an Olympic lifting bar, but just didn't have collars. And so it was basically one of those things where it was just like a straight pipe. It was like really long and really long straight pipe. That's all they had. And I was like, shit. And they had these metal plates. That's all they had either. They didn't have bumpers. So I was like, shit, I got to do my lift. And so the first day I went there, I just kind of did stuff that I, I had on my program because that's another thing too it's like I'll, I'll i'm a loyal guy and i'll follow my program to a t so i did my program the first day it was fine a little bit sketchy because a lot of the stuff was was a little little wonky but it was fine and the second day i had jerks um and so i was like let me just go in there and see what i can do and as i was jerking the plates were kind of hopping on the bar because they don't sit snug so it was kind of one of those things where they'd hop when i was doing them and my, my plan had me, I had to go up to 200 kilos. So I got up to 200 kilos and they were moving pretty well. Um, and everything was going fine. And on the last set, the, the plates hopped in front of me and they kind of got in front and I couldn't basically catch my footing because I was in, right in front of a rack. And then um, the bar came down and I didn't want to drop the bar or throw it into the rack. So I kind of tried to catch it at the last second, like on my hip, at, like, in like, a, like, a, like a clean. Um, and then like right before it hit my hip, I realized that I couldn't do that because it was 200 kilos so i just tried to scoot out of the way and get out of the way and then it just wrecked the top of my knees like right around where your quad tendons are and the top of your kneecap just came down full fledge on it so immediately i had these like massive contusions both of my my knees were, were really really swollen um walking was difficult for the first few days but i did so much to try to get back i didn't do anything for the next like two or three days before we left for for japan something happened where I think I either had like a partially torn MCL or meniscus on my right knee because of it. And then on my left side, I had very, very limited um, movement, like bending it. Um, so I got to a point where I was like, holy shit, this is the biggest meat of my life. And I, and I like literally don't really have that happen ever. Like I don't really get lifting injuries, um, especially in the U S. So I go to the, the games, I'm doing more rehab than I ever have in my life just to be able to get back and throw. And I don't really train while I'm there. Cause I'm like, shit, I have to at least feel like I'm throwing without pain. So the day of the meet or the day before the meet, I basically, I, I, I try to throw and it's like really painful. And then the day of the meet, I wrap both knees with voodoo floss as hard as I could. And then wore knee sleeves over them. Um, and the way the Olympics work is they're, there in any major championship there's a track outside of the stadium that you have to do most of your warming up at and you have to do all your throws at and then you walk to the stadium but the stadium is always like in these major championships it's always like an hour walk for some reason so i'm out there doing it i pop like eight advil take more caffeine than than you'd probably give a large animal and uh <laughs> i basically go out there and i throw and it's going well and i'm like wow i don't really feel too much pain 
And then we start walking and we go to different call rooms and the call rooms are all like ice cold. And I sit down at each one because they have to check your bags. And it's this whole process. And so it got to a point where by the time I got to the stadium, my knees were super stiff. Like I was like, I can't even fucking move them. So I got into the meet and I tried to throw, but each throw was super painful and it just was, it just was very poor. And it like, it really, at the end of it, it was really, really devastating because it was just one of those things where going into the Olympics, I felt like I was on such a high, so many things in my life were going really well. And I was like, shit, man, this is going to be my time now. Like I've, I've gotten to this point and this is, this is what this is all, you know, led to all the bullshit I've done and all the, all the stuff I've had to deal with to even get my Italian citizenship. And then even like earlier on in college and like all these things, like, this is what, this is what this was all meant to, to, to be for, like to, to happen in this way. And then um, it just, like I said, got kind of ripped out from underneath me because of an accident. Um, but I always look back on it at least now and, and think, you know, at least I'm an Olympian. Like that's a, that's one thing that most people in their life will never get to say. And it's one of those things that I'm very, very proud of, regardless of how it went because of the fact that you know it still puts me as one of the best shoppers in the world and I still feel that truly it took me a little while to to realize that but you know as I've thought about it more it it it, I feel that truly and it's it's something that I'm like I said really proud of and and I'll always hold dear and um, I'm still giving it everything towards Paris and and another go that way because um, I think by the time 2024 comes around the way that I envision it, if I, if I play my cards, right, and I'm smart, I think Paris could be a totally different, different story. Um, and maybe get some redemption there, but there's so much to be had even in between that. Like this year, I have four major championships as an Italian, there's world indoors, European outdoors, Mediterranean games, outdoors, and then there's um, world outdoors here in the United States. So it's one of those things where, as I started to kind of look at it more and more, I had to kind of flip the script and, and be able to, you know, switch gears and, and get to a point where I was like, all right, well, let's get back to, to getting to where I need to be and let that go, you know? Dang. Yeah. I mean, Thanks. I've, I mean, I, I've kind of followed along as you kind of did your journey. Right. And, uh, never knew that, uh, yeah. um, honestly you dropped that much freaking weight on your yeah. knees. I mean, you said it was weight relaxing, <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. I mean, you know, props to you, not, you know, making excuses like i know some people would and yeah. try to you know play the pity party so honestly that's you know huge props to you i mean that's that just shows more yeah. of you know, who you are so that's super awesome um but also same time like dude that freaking sucks man yeah <laughs> like, I, I i wish you could have had more and honestly i mean for what it's sounding like dude that's a sweet performance at olympic games dude i mean <laughs> yeah. you gutted that out like that's a that's a yeah. BA performance. Like you, you were I, I at it. That's sweet. Yeah. It's one of those things where I, I tell people all the time, like I'm, I'm, I'm never going to give excuses about it. And, and like, that's the reason why most people don't know is because it's kind of like, I, I didn't really tell anybody until like, you know, after the fact when people were asking me what happened, but, but yeah, I mean, I think the whole time, when I was throwing in the games, like with pain, I was like, man, if you fucking want it, you're going to have to dig deep. Like you're going to have to try to get it. And when you don't train and you don't really, you know, you're not set up for it. It's like, there's only so much you can tell yourself to dig deep and, and grab for that. You just can't get, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I could have told myself like, to, I, I was so intrinsically motivated to try to make that final and everything because of what I knew I was and what I could offer. But at that point, it's like, there's only so much you could say before it's like, it's just not the cards. You know what I mean? But I appreciate it regardless. Yeah. It was, 
it definitely was a lot of weight. Um, it was one of those things where, like I said, hindsight, I probably could have just done less weight, been totally fine. But um, I'm, like I said, I'm a loyal guy, I'm dedicated to what I'm doing. And I just felt like at this point, this was not the time to, to go off of what I was doing already and, and, and change things. So I just wanted to stay with it. But like I said, I, I appreciate that ultimately that you think that was a badass performance because a part of me does too, I, I guess, you know, a little bit. Heck yeah, man. I mean, yeah. it's, it really shows you're gritty. You know what I mean? It just, yeah. it's, it's just a cool attribute that, you know, shows pretty prevalently in everything you do. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Thanks. Thank you so much. <laughs> that's, yeah, I mean, I, <clears throat> I know, I don't, I don't think I could have done the same thing. Not right now, at least. Um, not that I'd ever be in that position right now, but I would just, I, I don't know if I would have even been able to just, you know, suck it up, throw some Advil and uh, take some caffeine. I mean, I do that. I do that for regular meats all the time, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm popping eight Advil and uh, taking a boatload of caffeine before regular meat. But um, I just, the, the amount of pain that you, that you probably had to go through just to be able to push and say you threw at the Olympics is, is just insane. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is I tell people a lot of time, the way the Olympics work is if you don't compete, you're not an Olympian. So if you go to the Olympic Games, even if you're chosen for the team and you even show up, if you show up and you start to warm up and it's like, I, I, I just can't go, if you don't start, you are not an Olympian. So people who were into, there were people in Tokyo that had like really, because that's the thing, too, I tell people, there's a lot of people that got injuries just like I did right before. But there were people that were in Tokyo with really, really critical injuries that like they just couldn't compete and they're technically not an Olympian. So I remember saying, like, I'll, I'll take my first turn in crutches if I have to. I'm throwing and I'm, I'm, I'm not coming all the way to Tokyo and not, not becoming an Olympian. So that was not a big part of it. I'm just being able to be like, you know, I can't leave here and, and be like, I, I didn't even compete. And now I'm not even an Olympian. I went all the way to Tokyo and gave everything I had for years to be in the spot to just not even get to, to even say what I am, you know? So that was kind of a big thing. Heck yeah, man. I mean, I think, I think what you kind of touched on there is pretty true. I mean, to an extent, a lot of throwers are just hurt, you know, like everyone's got to push their stuff. I mean, not everyone's got to push through dropping 200 kilos on their knees, but people got to push through some injuries. You know what I mean? So I definitely yeah, we're think- all injured. At the highest yeah. level, we all, we all got something, man. We're all like, we're all big, beefy dudes that move way too fast and lift way too much weight and throw things that we're not supposed to in a way we're not supposed to. It's a very unnatural movement. So we all have something. We have twinges and stuff. But when it comes to more serious stuff, like like dropping that much weight on your body, yeah, there, there wasn't too many of us that had that. But unfortunately, you know, like I said, the, that's just how, kind of the cards were, were dealt. And um, the way I look at it is that it's just maybe going to be an even more prolific um, sort of comeback story once it's all said and done, you know? <laughs> Heck yeah, man. Well, we're stoked yeah. to watch that story continue yeah. unfold. And... Oh, everybody will know it. Everybody will know it. Everybody will know it because I, 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 I frequent that probably too often. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. So what is Chubby Diamonds doing out in Nashville? Yeah. So, okay. That, that's, that's, I'm glad we kind of changed gears to that. Um, so I lived in Arizona for the last about three or four years of my life. And I got to a point where I was like, you know, man, I'm just really not 
dig in Arizona anymore. I, like I said, I love Ryan DHP DHP till I'm done. Um, and it's one of those things where Ryan's the best thing for me. It's just, it got to a point where I was like, man, I'm just like not enjoying Arizona. And to be honest with you, like I really, I got to the point where I was like really not happy with the situation I was in, whether it be, you know, people I was around or, or, or living. So I just got to a point where I was like, I need to get out of here. So it got to a point where I was kind of looking around to see places that I kind of thought would be, you know, good for me ultimately. Um, and not only athletically, but just kind of like, you know, as, as a human, like you want to feel happy with where you're at. You can't just sit in a place for years and flounder and expect to flourish in your, in your profession. So I've always loved Nashville. Like I like Tennessee has always been a place that every time I come here, I'm always like, man, like, I love it here. Like just everything about it. So green people are so great here. I mean, Nashville's got Broadway, which is, you know, the downtown scene. It's just kind of like a really, really cool area for people my age. And I was like, you know, with me basically being a, um, like, what would that even be? Like, I'm trying to remember what I, like, like I'm almost like self-contracted with what I do. Like I could basically do my job anywhere as long as the situation is right. So with me being that way, like I, I can get it done there. And it just got to a point where I was like, let me try to see what's, what's going on in Tennessee. And I thought about possibly even moving to Knoxville to work at UT um, with John Newell, but that fell through. Um, and then I heard from a little birdie that Ashley Kovacs was going to Vanderbilt. And I was like, whoa, that's a really cool situation. So initially we had talked, me and her, originally it was me and Joe, but me and her talked and I was like, hey, I think this would be a really, really cool situation. And um, there was a situation where it was going to be me, Joe, and then Chuck and Nequichi was going to come as well. So we were going to have like this full, like the shortest throwers in the world, but the strongest guys in the world were all going to be together. I thought it was going to be such a cool experience. But unfortunately, you know, with, with her basically having that job just coming about um, and her not really having um, a throws culture there, which I understand completely because they didn't even have a throws program until she got there. Um, it, it became increasingly difficult for her to justify to the coaching staff um, to have a professional group because there's other pros that wanted to come. And so it got to a point where I, I was already pretty committed to coming here anyway. And so I was like, man, like that really, really sucks that that fell through too. Because it kind of felt like, after, this was like right after, right after the Olympics. It was like a lot of shit was kind of like coming to a head at the same time. And I'm like, God, man, like I can't catch a fucking break like once. And so I just, I got too far. I was like, you know what, man? Like I can't stay in the same place and I can't stay in Arizona. Like I got to take this leap for me. And I talked to my buddy. I went to a meet. Um, in Croatia, the Zagreb Gold Continental Tour, which is my favorite meet of the year. Um, and I was talking to my buddy Joshua Watunde, which I'm sure, um, who I'm sure you guys know. And he had moved from the training center back to South Carolina this year. And he basically worked alone with the coach there. And I was like, man, like that must be a tough road. And he's like, yeah, man, but I bet on myself. And now look at me. Now I'm a 22 meter guy. And I was like, that just stuck in me. Like it, like it, like it kind of just got, it made like a crawl space in my head where I was like, man, yeah, like he's, he's just like really putting all of his chips on, on, on him. Like, he's just kind of like, he's betting with house money on himself. And I was like, man, I need to get back to doing that. Cause I started to kind of think back to where I felt like I was my best. And there was a long time in 2019 and even in 2020 where like, if Chase was um, traveling to compete or if she had something going on with an injury or something where it was just me and Ryan, and I was really, really focused on like what I was doing and like just being motivated in my own way, just being like getting to a point where it's like, 
I'm just focused on, on my own growth. And over the last year, there's been a lot of moving parts, like I said, in my life and in the group at DHP. And it just got me out of focus and just like, I, I, I it got really like ugly. It felt like in my mind, cause I just wasn't me. Like I need, I need to just get back to myself. And so I was like, you know what, man, I need to, to go and, and do this. So I kind of, I've taken this leap of faith to come out here and, and, and do things my way. Um, I'm still with Ryan, of course, but I work at Belmont as an assistant coach um, with Joe Fry, who's the coach there. Um, and I'm an assistant with the, the kids to be able to use their facilities and I'll compete at some of their meets and there's other, other things involved. Um, that made it a really, really advantageous thing for me. So I got to a point where I was like, I, I can do this now that I have something lined up. And so I made that, that switch and I live out here now and I've lived here for four or five days now. Um, but it has been, as days go on, it's, it's seemingly feeling like it's going to be the right move for me. Like, I just feel like this is being entrenched in, into Nick Ponzio's world and, and, and being sort of, I don't know, consumed with what I'm doing um, to, to get back to, to where I need to be and where I was in 2020 and where I was at the height of my career thus far is, is absolutely going to be what's best for me. And I'm looking forward to the, the new life out here too. Like the ability to, to see new things, meet new people. And um, cause like I said, there's, there's more to life than just throwing. And I mentioned that earlier in the podcast, but it's like, there, there's more to things than just throwing. So more life, I always like to say, um, is something that I'm really looking forward to just more, I don't know, being enriched and fulfilled in my life. Cause I think that's, that's, you know, having mental health and, and, you know, stuff that you feel really good about and being happy in your life is only going to allow the things that you do um, to exponentially grow. You know, like if I, if I feel like I'm in a situation where I am the best me and, and I'm in the best situation, like it, it's only going to be <laughs> the best thing for my throwing career overall. Heck yeah. I think, I, I think what you said about that with like the, the best you part, you're not going to get your, your best training if you're not enjoying just living life in general absolutely so if i'm in a situation so like, where not only the people that I, I i'm with i don't like but i'm in an environment or a location and i'm like man this i mean like let's be honest arizona's like 120 degrees like nine months out of the fucking year like it just got to a point where big men aren't supposed to be here hell i don't even think humans are supposed to be there i don't know who when they were going west way back in the day thought let's stop here it's super super terrible weather wise and there's really not much land for crops or anything but I think we can make this work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's balls hot out there. That's for sure. Uh, that's yeah. actually where my father grew up. So he goes back and he always talks about how he's tough enough to handle the heat, but it's a lie 100% of the time. So it's just like, yeah, you could be from Arizona and you just can never, those conditions <laughs> are just not meant for human beings. Like you can't get used to that. You can't just be like walking around and being like, yeah, man, I enjoy being in a convection oven basically 98% of my life. Like you just can't do that. I just don't, I, I, that's a lie to me if anybody says that. Honestly, you're standing in the sun and you're like, oh, I feel like I'm burning. You're like, oh yeah, it's 125 <laughs> degrees outside right now. Like, yeah. let me just let me, let me put on seven it. layers so my skin doesn't turn into potato <laughs> chips real quick. <laughs> I'm slowly cooking at this very moment. Heck yeah. So yeah. do you think maybe, you know, possible future is like, you're going to have any throw sessions with the other short part of the dynasty, Joe Kovacs, maybe a couple of <laughs> times, you know, maybe trickle that in there. Is that, is that yeah, possible? I, I, 
I don't know if I'm at this point, I can't really say, I don't know if I'm at liberty to say yes or no to that. Um, if it were up to me, I'd be with Joe right now. Like if it were up to me, I'd be like, yeah, let's get this going. I think that whole group, like Chuck was very much into it too. Um, you know, like I said, for him, it was kind of the same thing. He's in Indiana now and he wanted kind of a new, a new start. And um, we really were both looking forward to learning from Joe and Ashley and being able to have that sort of experience as well. Um, so at this very moment, I'm not sure. I, I hope so. I hope maybe next year, maybe like next season, there's a possibility of doing that. But um, at this point, I can't really say yes or no one way or the other. He lives in the same town as I do. Like, I think he lives like really close to me because I live in Brentwood as well. And I think it's where they just moved to. Um, so possibly some lifting sessions here and there. We had mentioned doing that when we were both in Zagreb. We were like, yeah, we can maybe get together for that kind of stuff. But Throwing wise, like I said, at this very moment, I'm not really sure, but it would be great. I think, I think <laughs> that group, all the short guys together, all the short, strong guys together, I think that would be really, really cool. Like I think that would, I think a lot of people would get get some attention from all that. All guys at about six feet or below and uh, being able to train with each other, I think that would be a really, really cool situation. So at this moment, I'm not sure, but I hope so. Yeah, that'd also be like really, really scary too. <laughs> yeah that let's let's just say any weight room would not be safe at that point no. yeah you'd have to like set up like a height and strength requirement to become a train with you guys like, can't be taller than six foot but you gotta be able to deadlift a thousand pounds that's just those, exactly. those are the two requirements that's it yeah if you're six one you're out but if you're six feet and you can bench 500 pounds come on in you're good <laughs> that's awesome man well, I mean, that, that should be cool having them at least close by. Because, I mean, maybe you could get, you know, some chats in here and there, you know. I mean, I, oh, for sure. I, I, hope, yeah. I hope for you that kind of that situation evolves into something just super awesome. Because, I mean, like you said, you know, DHP till you die. So, um, yeah. at least, you know, you got, you know, solid guys around you. So, that's super cool to see, man. Because I know when I first kind of saw that you went with Ryan, I mean, just watching your technique kind of just, like, transition into how smooth it is now and just, like, you made all these strides, you know, just like seeing this progression. I just, I, I mean, I have no doubt in my mind, it's just going to continue. That's super awesome to see. Yeah, dude, that's really awesome of you to say. I really appreciate that. I, I, I truly feel the same way. Um, but yeah, with, with the Joe situation as well. Um, yeah. I mean like, yeah, maybe some, yeah, talking about some stuff. I mean, like I said, we're in the same town and, and other things could, could come about with other things, but um, ultimately hey, everyone, everyone likes eating, you know, yeah, I mean, sandwich, yeah. three sandwiches. I don't know. But. I was gonna say, you know, you know me, man. I'll, I'll always put as much food as I can down this goal. But um, <laughs> he's he's ultimately doing what Joe's doing for his career, and I'm doing what I'm doing for my career. So if if those don't coincide at some point, that's unfortunate. But um, at the end of the day, like I said, we're both professionals, so we're, we're both going to do what's best for us. But yeah, I, I ultimately I, I'm hoping that this. And I shouldn't even say hoping. I, I have a, a strong feeling that this whole situation of being here and, and being in a situation I want to be at is, is going to be the best thing to make Nick Ponzio the chubby dimes that everybody knows and loves. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. Well, sweet. I think we just got a few yeah. more questions, a couple fun ones coming at you. That's for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Let's get these going. Don't want, don't want to take up too much of your time, even though this is, you know, fun experience. Can't. can't oh, absolutely. I always enjoy talking. I, I tell people all the time, I don't, it doesn't really even matter to me what level of podcast you have or anything like that. Or even if, like, I've done podcasts before with kids that were like, it's for my high school. I'm like, okay. It, like it, it's, I, I, I will talk with everybody the same. Like I'm an open book and 
Um, I feel like I'm a pretty easygoing guy and, and pretty extroverted. So yeah, I, I love doing this stuff. Heck yeah, man. So pretty funny question that they uh, sent us on the Instagrams. Hey, if anyone isn't following on Instagram, you should follow it. So you can ask cool guys like Chubby Diamonds, Nikki Duchins, some sweet questions. Anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. The question came in. It says, have you always been as smooth with your words as you are now? Have you always been this smooth? Or just kind of just developed into <laughs> yeah. the man who you are now? Yeah. Yeah. So actually, funny enough, all the captions that I write, I actually write them. They're just a first take. Like, I just kind of like blurt it out. Like, I don't like go and edit it and stuff. I just kind of like, like people have, like uh, a good friend of mine, Haley Teal, when I was in Georgia, the Georgia meet I did, I wrote this whole caption and she's like, I just got to see this in person. So I just like literally wrote it in like five minutes. And she was like, that is the funniest thing I've ever read. So it's just one of those things where it's like for, for the, the words or any sort of way I say my things, I guess technically, yes. Cause it's all just kind of inherently who I am and kind of been sort of like, I've kind of always kind of been a little bit of a smooth talker, but, um, but yeah, I, there's, there's, I don't think there's really been any change. I think that's been about what it's, what it's always been for sure. <laughs> Heck yeah. So I follow, uh, who is it now? Uh, King of Juco on Instagram. I've been following him for a little bit. I oh, gotta yeah, say, yeah, I was, yeah. I, yeah. I got to say, I was pleasantly surprised to see you two do something together. And I yeah. thought that was freaking sweet. Yeah, we so, had plans. We had plans to do some stuff baseball content wise for the off season. And then he went back, I believe he's in Canada now. Like, I think he had to get his green card and stuff to, to be able to be back in the U.S. So it was one of those things where it got to a point where I was like, shit. So what, right before I left, I didn't even really hear much from him. But I'd love to continue to still do some stuff with him. Like, we have this – he wants to try to get me to do some live ABs and stuff because he's he's really infatuated with the with the power output that I have as a thrower and, and my ability to transition it into baseball because – that video that we did together, the pitching one, I hadn't pitched in like, shit, man, like a decade. I did, actually, I not even pitched, thrown a baseball in like a decade. Um, so he was really kind of, he was really, really happy with that. So we're trying to get, he's doing this whole crossover content series. So he's trying to get a lot of different people to come in and, and be able to do that. Yeah, that was I, sweet. I forget how fast you threw. How, how, how much gas were you throwing down the, down the pipe, baby? <laughs> It wasn't too much. It was only like 78. I wanted to get to 80. That was my goal. But um, yeah, but 78 with these, with these chubby pipes, the, the lack of flexibility that these things have, I was, <laughs> I was, I left there pretty happy. I left there pretty happy. Sweet. Yeah. Um, I think we got just one more question. Am I right, Tyler? Actually, before that question, I got a—I mean, a riveting question. I got to ask. Yeah. It's probably the most important question we're gonna have all day. How many cannolis could you put down in one sitting? Like, I want a real number. How many? How many cannolis? <laughs> you, could put down? I, you know, honestly, honestly, I, I don't know if I have an answer for that. So I did—I did, I did a, a video with one of my favorite publications, is World's Greatest Team. So if you guys have seen that video, I did that Godfather series that I did with them. It was like a one-on-one interview with myself. Yeah, that was awesome. We bought, yeah. they went to, yeah, they went, <laughs> people loved it. They went to a, a store down here because we did it in Nashville. We did, a, there's a store down here called the Piggly Wiggly. And they basically, he went in there and he was like, this place is really cheap. And let's see if they have cannolis. And I was like, there's no chance in hell they have cannolis in there. He comes out with four packs of 12 cannolis, right? 
And he's like, let's just see how many you can put away. He's like, let's just do something where you're eating canolas the whole time. So I made this funny gesture of being like, let me lean back. And like, he's the Nikki two chin. So I always kind of like press my chin in to kind of show my showcase, my double chin. And I was like, let me put my plate right here and just have cannolis like, and I'll just start going at them. So we're like basically doing this video. And by the time we get done, I'm like, man, I'm like pretty full. Cause I had like eaten a lot. And I had a, like a dinner date right after that with a girl that I was dating at the time. And I was like, I remember saying to myself, like, don't eat too much. Cause you have to go on this date. And I just remember like being like, how many did I eat? And I went through three fucking packs of 12. So I ate what 36 the- in this like hour interview that I did of myself. And I was like, oh no. And I was just like, holy shit. So um, I don't know if I have an answer for that, but what I do know is I could have put down more. So I'm going to put, I'm going to put a rough estimate from the 50 to hundred range, because I feel like sometimes in my life, if it comes down to it and if it becomes like a life or death thing in my mind, I'll go into competitive eater mode. I'll start dipping. Like I'm putting them away. <laughs> like you're not going to tell me what I can and cannot do. If you're like, no, Nick, you can only probably put away about 45. Then I put away 90. I dump. <laughs> I throw another forty-five on top of your ass, right there. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna lie; those are the exact numbers I was thinking about. I was like, a hundred is definitely not out of the range. Then, I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. that is that is a number that is worth that, trying to yeah. get. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah like I said. I- I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm proud of that number, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't put that across me either. I, I have an empty cavernous, just dark pit in my stomach sometimes. Like I swear it's one of these things where I've put away food and been hungry at the end of it. And I'm like, I got a fucking problem. Like I got, like, I need to, I need to check into like an AA meeting for food. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Addicts Anonymous, for, Addicts Anonymous for, for pizza. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, it's they- like whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> they, they won't have any treats at that AA meeting, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, when, when you first walk in, they just strap a waist trainer on you. <laughs> they just sit they say, no chairs either. You guys got to stand. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just constant running in place the entire meeting. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. All right. This one's not as funny. I guess it could be, though, depending on your answer. So what is your, (laughs) so (laughs) what's your favorite throwing moment that's non-competition related? Oh, see, this one's not that funny. (laughs) I can't, can't. man, favorite throwing moment that's non-competition. That would encompass like, okay, so that would encompass like training then or something like that, or possibly even like a. I don't know because you like my favorite moment by far was when I went to uh, that first Diamond League in Italy. That was the first time I'd ever been to Italy to do it in front of that home crowd because there was a crowd there that was really cool. But non-throwing or non-competition experience. I had a day with Ryan Whiting where I threw some of my practice PRs um, in the middle of 2020. I threw 2225 with the comp ball and then threw 2281 with the 15. Um, that was probably my most fond throwing memory that was non-competition. And then probably the thousand pound deadlift on a trap bar, because when I did it at first, I was kind of like, that, that feels like something that a lot of people have done. And I just looked it up and there just like, wasn't that many, like there was maybe, I don't know, 10 people at the time that had done it. And I was like, holy shit. So probably those two, 
And then hmm, trying to think if there's anything else. See, there's not like for me, there's never really like for a lot of kids, sometimes they'll meet people who they really look up to or they really kind of like idolize or something. But when I was coming through as a young guy, when I was coming through the ranks and everything, I got, I was never really, I never really idolized anybody because for me, like I've always idolized people for the content of their character and who they are as men rather than like what you do in a sport. Um, so I don't really have any of that. So I'd probably say those two things. I would probably say those are probably my fondest memories um, and probably favorite moments of like training per se that were non-competition uh, related for sure. That's awesome, man. I, I'd say that trap bar deadlift would be a pretty fond memory. So, yeah, I mean, those are pretty solid. Pretty solid. Yeah, well, thanks. I appreciate that. Thank you, yeah. yeah I know thanks. a lot of those, like, you know, strong men, you know, the dudes that are doing, but you know, bajillion pounds deadlifts, right? I know they always say that they just like feel like they were just like yeah. out of gas after they did it. Like, did you feel that way after you did a thousand pound deadlift? Did you feel like you like had to take a day, two, three off because you're just like, I just put that much weight. <laughs> yeah. I've done, I've done a few lifts over a thousand. So I did a hip thrust over a thousand, which is pretty funny too. Um, Cause I have not, I, unofficially I have the hashtag world strongest ass. Cause I've done a thousand four <laughs> and the guy, the next, the next best is a thousand three. Um, and I've also done, I've also done a thousand fifteen on Hatfield squats for a double. That's also probably one of my most proud um, lifting memories. But the the thousand pound deadlift, yeah, my back was fried for probably a solid week. Like in the sense of like going down to reach for something, it was just kind of like so achy. Which is one of those things where I, I had for the next couple of days at least, I was like really, 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 really tired. But yeah, in the sense of being like I couldn't train or anything, no, I. I I still did some stuff, and the next day, I think I drilled or something, because Ryan was like, yeah, oh, no, no, you know what it was? It was on a Friday, so I had the weekend off from throwing, and then Monday, I got back, and I was kind of, like, just okay, but, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't remember being at a, in a, in a point where I was, like, like, Eddie Hall, when he did 1,100 pounds, and then I had, like, cardiac arrest, that's a whole different scenario, like, that was, that's insanity. That's so crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Well, I think you can speak for everyone that's going to listen to this. Like, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks, man. I mean, I, I, it's, is... it's definitely been a pleasure on my end as well. I, I, like I said, I always enjoy talking, chatting, just being a goofy guy. You know me. I, I'm just trying to have a silly goose time. Heck yeah, man. Silly goose time. <laughs> well, thank you so much, old chubby diamond. Absolutely. Kukin, thank you, guys. Nick Ponzio, <laughs> the Italian yeah. national champion. I appreciate Olympian it. himself. Been yeah, really yeah. Thank you so much for coming. To thank you. Yeah, thank yeah, you so if much. I could, if I could plug, if I could plug something really quick, I just started. Oh, heck, plug anything you want. You can plug for the yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, just I wanted. To, I don't know how I forgot. I wanted to ask you about this, and I totally forgot. Plug away. But yeah. Yeah. Ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I yesterday I officially announced I launched a uh, online coaching. Oh um, yeah, heck yeah. Business. Go go at it. Tell everyone about it. Yeah, so so being out here in Nashville, it's a kind of untapped territory for coaching, and and also I have had a ton of kids online basically ask me for tips, a lot of different things, and so I started an online coaching business, um, basically like for anybody that wants video analysis, coaching tips, mentorship, nutritional advice, and even lifting 
Like if you want to have some lifting uh, tips and stuff, I, I have all of that for everybody. If, if they're looking for it, it's all tailored to anybody's needs and everything like that. So if anybody is looking for something like that, you can go ahead and look at um, Ponzio performance. That's the name of the business. Um, and then you can either look at that and DM me there or DM me at Chubby Diamonds. Hopefully everybody's listening. They're already following Chubby Diamonds, but yeah, if anybody wants any help or anything, uh, my, my fees are, are at this point are not very high at all. A lot of coaches have, have pretty high fees, but for me, I'm trying to get started. So anybody who, who really wants some help, I'd love to take on some clients and, and really help them out, especially with this being my off season. I have a lot more time with me working um, at that, at the university and then training full time. I still find myself having some, some, some hours to be able to give to people. So if people want to be a part of that and want to learn from, a professional in the moment at the highest, at the highest level and, and a guy who's an Olympian and, and a guy who's on the circuit. Um, I, I, I'd love to help. Not a lot of people do that at this moment. A lot of guys are very entrenched in what they do. And I find that I am as well, but um, I have time for others um, as it you know pertains to what they're, they're looking for. Um, so I have no problem at all if anybody wants any help. And uh, like I said, the, the amount that you'd have to spend is, is a lot less than other people. So um, just let me know. Heck yeah. Any, I mean, also, let, let me just tell these high schoolers, anyone, you got to do it, okay? Because yeah. here's the thing. Let me just give you guys a little tip about short people, okay? We don't got the levers. We don't, we don't got this natural ability just to throw things. We got to do it right, okay? Yeah. Do it right. Yeah. This guy has done it right. <laughs> so and I have kind get of a special eye for a lot, too. So it's, it's one of those things where – I feel like I've done a pretty good job with some people who have asked me for stuff in the past. And every time I give coaching tips just for free, cause I, I respond to everybody's DMS. I'm just that kind of guy. But every time I give somebody tips, I was like, Oh, it really helped. And immediately it was that. So I was like, you know what? Might as well make some extra scratch a little schedule. We, we, we call it in the, in the Italian uh, culture. So, um, so yeah, just, 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 you know, wanting to be able to help a lot of people and, and it'll help me as well with, with training and stuff. Cause you know, this like, you know, funding as a shop putter it, it compared to other professions it's not even not even close the other guys are making millions of dollars you know we're, we're hoping to make some some good cash on our own so yeah so if anybody wants some help I'm, I'm always there and you guys know like if you go check out my my profile i have all the sponsors i have that that support me um the breath belt caffeine and cannabinoids roadie sport hate brand goods velosa tracksmith um and and a lot of others rock tape and, and some others like there's brazen life oh my gosh i'm forgetting all this one kilo like there's a lot of there's a lot of companies that really support me and help me on my journey in a lot of different in different ways so if you want to check those out as well i have discount codes for all of them too so just reach out to either me or positive performance and we can get everything going heck yeah anybody listening do it do what he says do, do what it. the man says <laughs> what like i said all right before, guys well, i appreciate pleasure. it thank you thank Absolutely, you guys thanks I, so much I for really, coming really on and I mean, it's been a pleasure. Hopefully, maybe in the future we can get back at it and, you know. Absolutely. Hopefully next time. It's, be a it's, silly goose again. Yeah, hopefully next time it's a, a so with some metals and some hardware. Maybe we can talk about those experiences too. Heck, yeah. Man. That'd be <laughs> sweet. We'll be waiting for it. Absolutely. Yep. Anytime, guys. Uh, you guys have my number. I'm, I'm all ears always. Heck, yeah. So that was Chubby D. Nikki Two Chins. The Italian's dying. Yeah. I mean, you think that dude could put down Hunter Cannolis? Because I sure do. I think it'd be pretty close. I mean, just think about 
the amount of cannoli. Imagine seeing a hundred cannolis in front of your face and going, "My mouth would be water." <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you call it cannoli sauce the other day? No. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine looking at a hundred cannolis on a plate and just going, "Nick Pond, you could put those down right now." Yeah, I mean that is what. That's another thing I would think too. Besides my mouth watering and just wanting to eat them. That makes sense. I mean, if, if you don't see a plate of cannolis and your mouth doesn't water, you're in the wrong sport is what it is. <laughs> That's right. And if you're not in the sport, better get in the sport because I know your mouth's watering. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, also, even crazier, I mean, I thought it was really cool that he kind of told us, you know, kind of what Happened. went down with his injuries and stuff like that. Yeah. It's really cool to be transparent like that. I mean, not many people want to be that way because they like, find it like in biggest air quotes possible destroys the brand i mean i think it actually helps the brand because it shows people that you know you're transparent and yeah. you know i don't i don't like when people like say it in the time they're like oh i did this and this like feel bad for me it's like guess what no one does but uh yeah that was a lot of weight to uh drop right above your knee yeah 200 kilos from that height to the dome of a knee no thanks owie big owie I'd probably be uh, in a wheelchair. Yeah, the fact that he was thrown after that, pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, also funny. <laughs> Just the fact that he said he was pounding ibuprofen and drinking a ton of caffeine. I was like, that sounds like a guy I know already. Yeah, yeah I, that sounds like every meat last year for me. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, what the a Voodoo great... Floss, too. Voodoo, that's crazy. I mean, how do you, how do you feel his feet? I don't know. He probably didn't care that he did it. I mean, he probably only did it for, I mean, Voodoo Floss just stays on for a little bit. I mean, but also think about it like he's putting Voodoo Floss around a tree trunk. So, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean. It's like putting a band-aid on a corridor. A, mine was around a pipe cleaner. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy, though. I mean, props to him, though, gutting it out. I mean, that's a gutsy performance. That's sweet. And he made himself an Olympian by choosing to compete. Made himself an Olympian. Which I thought was really cool that he talked about. Even if you're on the team, but you uh, don't compete that day, you're not an Olympian. Man, sad experience. But not for him, that's nope. for sure. He got it out. I mean, what a tank, though. I mean, crazy move, though, to Tennessee. <clears throat> what do you think's going to happen out there? Mm. Big sure. things. Yeah. I mean, he is a big thing, so. He is a big thing. There's another big thing in uh Right down the road from him, apparently. Yeah, right down the road. A couple big boys probably going to go ham on some sandwiches one of these days. And some weights. And some shots. All of the above. That's a scary duo. Yeah. Pretty sweet, though. I mean, thinking about it, though, I mean, I, I mean I'm really excited to see kind of what happens from this year because it sounds like, you know, I'm fully betting on him. And, you know, it, it should be really cool. Yeah. I mean, just watching his, his progression. I mean, it sounds like he's in good mental state, you know, and all that good stuff. So, I mean, I wish him nothing but the best, you yeah. know, from the like, TNC throw show. Like Marshawn Lynch says, take care of your chicken and take care of your mentals. Yeah, and take care of your bread. No, that's your chicken. Didn't he say chicken? No, he says three things. I don't remember. Take care of your bread. Take care of your chicken. Take care of your mentals. Nah. Definitely wasn't in that order. No. But he says three things. I'm, wow. I'm Whatever. pretty positive. I just like the chicken and menthols part. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves chicken. Yeah. But, I mean, shout out to him, though. I hope uh, everyone goes checks out 
Ponzio performance. performance. Yeah, that's pretty cool what he's doing now too. Yeah, because it's it's pretty cool. Because I mean, I'd say a high percentage of you know elite throwers at one point or another come out with you know uh, I'll coach you kind of thing. But that's usually after they're done. I mean, a few people have done it during, like for example, like Sean Don. Yeah, and Scarvellis. And plenty more that I'm blanking on right now. But what is cool is, you know, he responds like everyone in his comments. Yeah. And he like responds like every DM. Not that I can know because I'm not in his DMs. You know, I can't see everything. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm stoked for him. Sounds like it's going to be a good year for him. Yeah. Pretty exciting. You know, I'm pumped. Yeah. And I hope you guys enjoyed that because. That was a fun time. Yeah, I had so much fun interviewing Nick. It was it made me a, a ten time bigger fan than I already was, and I, I was a huge fan of him. Yeah. So big friend of the show, and the show's a big friend to him. Yeah. So I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I hope you guys come back because we got another great episode coming to you. Another Olympian. Another Olympian. With a hurt knee. Yes, sir. Not not a great thing. Yeah. But, but... uh still an Olympian. Still going at it, and it's gonna be another great combo. Another guy we're pretty close to. Pretty close, yeah. Pretty close. Yeah. You could say we're like brothers, but like not. But like kinda. Yeah. He'll, he'll probably hate that I said that. Yeah. But anyway. He, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. But so come back next time because great show. Big things are going to continue to happen. Big conversations are going to be had. Yup. So we'll see you guys next time. Have fun. Bye. Non escono la con i ezzonisi, e non da stamarrete si vernisi.